This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible reading for June 2nd. We begin today in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. Then King David sent Zadok and Abiathar the priest to say to the elders of Judah, Why are you the last ones to welcome back the king into his palace? For I have heard that all Israel is ready. You are my relatives, my own tribe, my own flesh and blood. So why are you the last ones to welcome back the king? David told them to tell Amasa, Since you are my own flesh and blood, like Joab, may God strike me and even kill me if I do not appoint you as commander to, of my army in his place. Then Amasa convinced all the men of Judah, and they responded unanimously. They sent word to the king, Return to us and bring back all who are with you. So why was Judah last to accept David as the king again? Well, they had turned against him. And uh, so they were probably fearing retribution. Uh, but David is a very smart leader. And in appointing Amasa as his new general, he's not only punishing Joab for killing his son, uh, but he's ensuring that Judah will come along with their commander. So the king started back to Jerusalem. And when he arrived at the Jordan River, the people of Judah came to Gilgal to meet him and escort him across the river. Shimei, son of Gera, the man from Bahurim in Benjamin, hurried across with the men of Judah to welcome King David. A thousand other men from the tribe of Benjamin were with him, including Ziba, the chief priest of the house of Saul, and Ziba's fifteen sons and twenty servants. They rushed down to the Jordan to meet the king. They crossed the shallows of the Jordan to bring the king's household across the river, helping him in every way they could. As the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him. My lord, the king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget the terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That is why I have come here today, the very person, first, first person in all Israel to greet my lord, the king. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said Shimei should die, for he cursed the lord's anointed king. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zariah? David exclaimed. Why have you become my adversary today? This is not a day for execution, but for celebration. Today I am once again the king of Israel. Then turning to Shimei, David vowed, Your life will be spared. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet, trimmed his beard, or washed his clothes since the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? The king asked him. Mephibosheth replied, My lord, the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, Saddle my donkey so I can go with the king, for as you know, I am crippled. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come. But I know that my lord, the king, is like an angel of God, so do what you think is best. All my relatives and I could expect only death from you, my lord, but instead you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. What more can I ask? You've said enough, David replied. I've decided that you and Ziba will divide your land equally between it, between you. 
Give him all of it, Mephibosheth said. I am content just to have you safely back again, my lord, the king. Barzillai of Gilead had come down from Rogalim to escort the king across the Jordan. He was very old, about eighty, and very wealthy. He was the one who had provided food for the king during his stay at Mahanaim. Come across with me and live in Jerusalem, the king said to Barzillai. I will take care of you there. No, he replied, I am far too old to go with the king to Jerusalem. I am eighty years old today, and I can no longer enjoy anything. Food and wine are no longer tasty, and I cannot hear the singers as they sing. I would only be a burden to my lord the king. Just to go across the Jordan River with the king is all the honor I need. Then let me return again to die in my own town, where my father and mother are buried. But here is your servant, my son, Kimham. Let him go with my lord the king and receive whatever you want to give him. Good, the king agreed. Kimham will go with me and I will help him in any way you would like. I will do for you anything you want. So all the people crossed the Jordan with the king. After David had blessed Barzillai and kissed him, Barzillai returned to his own home. The king then crossed over to Gilgal, taking Kimham with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel escorted the king on his way. But all of the men of Israel complained to the king. The men of Judah stole the king and didn't give us the honor of helping take you, your household, and all your men across the Jordan. The men of Judah replied, The king is one of our own kinsmen. Why should this make you angry? We haven't eaten any of the king's food or received any special favors. But there are ten tribes in Israel, the others replied. So we have ten times as much right to the king as you do. What right do you have to treat us with such contempt? Weren't we the first to speak of bringing him back to be our king again? The argument continued back and forth, and the men of Judah spoke even more harshly than the men of Israel. Ironic, isn't it, that they all uh, anointed Absalom, and now they're fighting over who is going to bless David the most. There happened to be a troublemaker there named Sheba, son of Bichri, a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Sheba blew a ram's horn and began to chant, Down with the David dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Come on, you men of Israel, back to your homes. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stayed with their king and escorted him from the Jordan River to Jerusalem. When David came to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to look after the palace, and he placed them in seclusion. Their needs were provided for, but he no longer slept with them. So each of them lived like a widow until she died. Then the king told Amasa, Mobilize the army of Judah within three days and report back at that time. So Amasa went out to notify Judah, but it took him longer than the time he had been given. Then David said to Abishai, Sheba, son of Bichri, is going to hurt us more than Absalom did. Quick, take my troops and chase after him before he gets into a fortified town where we can't reach him. So Abishai and Joab, together with the king's bodyguard and all the mighty warriors, set out from Jerusalem to go after Sheba. As they arrived at the great stone in Gibeon, Amasa met them. Joab was wearing his military tunic with a dagger strapped to his belt. As he stepped forward to greet Amasa, he slipped the dagger from its sheath. "'How are you, my cousin?' Joab said, and took him by the beard with his right hand as though to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the dagger in his left hand, and jo Joab stabbed him in the stomach, 
so that his insides gushed out onto the ground. Joab did not need to strike again, and Amasa soon died. Joab and his brother Abishai left him lying there and continued after Sheba. One of Joab's young men shouted to Amasa's troops, If you are for Joab and David, come and follow Joab. But Amasa lay in his blood in the middle of the road, and Joab's men saw that everyone was stopping to stare at him. So he pulled him off the road into a field and threw a cloak over him. With Amasa's body out of the way, everyone went on with Joab to capture Sheba, son of Bichri. John 21 Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed in the boat and were pulled and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net into the shore. There were a 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to return, remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. And now we are going to Psalm 120. So we have finished both the Gospels, all four Gospels, and we finished Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 120. And this is the beginning of the Psalms of Ascent, the, psalm, the songs that the pilgrims would sing on their way to Jerusalem, traveling for the great festivals there. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. How I suffer in far-off Meshach. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. I am tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. Proverbs 16, 16 and 17. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. And we're back with Selwyn Hughes to end today, looking at disappointment and specifically the sin of self-protection from 1 John 3.23, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Another advantage of being willing to feel disappointment is that it enables us to come in touch with another hidden sin of the heart, self-protection. Whenever we are disappointed, we naturally feel hurt and experience inner pain. Some people are so affected by disappointment that a pool of pain builds up inside of them, and they say to themselves something like this, People hurt, stay away from them, and don't get too closely involved. These people see non-involvement as the way of avoiding pain, uh, the pain of possible disappointment. But this attitude is a violation of the law of love. Lawrence Crabb, a Christian psychologist, says, Deficient love is always central to our problems. What does he mean? He means that behind most of our problems is a failure to love others as we love ourselves. If we refuse to move towards someone in the spirit of love because of the fact that they may disappoint us, then we are more interested in protecting ourselves from pain than we are in loving. And that is sin. Did you ever think of self-protection as a sin? Well, it is. In, in, in my estimation, it is one of the most subtle of all. Many of our relationships are ruined by this, particularly marriage relationships. A man who shouts angrily at his wife early in his marriage is setting up a self-protective system that says, disappoint me, and you will have to suffer the consequences. What is he doing? He's protecting himself more than loving his wife. And that, no matter how one might attempt to rationalize it, is sin. Father, your challenges are sometimes more than we can bear, and yet we see the sense and wisdom that lies behind them. Reveal to us our own self-protective devices and help me to give them up in favor of loving as I have been loved. Amen. As we all have been loved by the Lord. I hope you have the opportunity to reach out in love 
towards someone today. Love you all. Have a wonderful day.